one of the <clears throat> most controversial aspects in the body of Christ today, one of the most um, debated and fought concepts is that of prosperity and financial prosperity and more so the area of financial seed sowing is it true is it biblical <laughs> and more importantly does it work you see and very often these debates they they seem like they stem from a right place but very often the intention is wrong and so as we deal with the the scriptures I will share seed sowing and we will deal with things like does it truly work and more importantly why has it not worked for me why does it not work in the life of the believer And <clears throat> this conversation is one that I personally do enjoy because I, I am a person who, to a very small extent, I, I enjoy these rather controversial topics. I... I'm intrigued by them. I'm intrigued by how Christians respond to controversy. I'm intrigued by generally how quickly they move out of love and they are willing to even fight each other in the name of being right. However, today I'm not willing to fight with anyone. I'm not willing to disprove anyone. I'm not willing to argue with anyone. You see, in science, there is, when it comes to proof, there's one statement that the entire scientific community and even the academic community lives by, and that is when a particular researcher or a particular scientist makes an assertion or he or, he or she makes an argument the responsibility of proving or backing up their argument lies completely with them. Now, this is especially true. You see, that is science. But this is especially true also in the things of the Spirit. You see, when we hear about the things of the Spirit, we must first understand that they function by faith. And... If then they function by faith, then the thing that must eventually be seen and the thing that 
proves validity to what you are saying is not scriptures per se, but evidence or proof. That's why when we read in Hebrews, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence. So in the, in the absence of actual proofs, your faith is not true. Your faith is fake. When a believer says, I have faith that God can do whatever. No, 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 no. Um, there must be evidence of what you are saying. That is why even James can come back and say, you <laughs> show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. I, I, I will show you what I believe by my works. Now, when we now start dealing with financial seed sowing, very often the belief is that it is preachers seeking to enrich themselves. And in truth, a great deal are. Okay. A, a great deal are seeking to enrich themselves. The, 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 the importance of teaching spiritual laws. You see, my, 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 my issue has always been with the concept of laws of late. Is that when you now speak of laws in science, when we talk about laws, by definition, it is that we call something a scientific law. If under similar conditions, the results are obvious. So, if we are going to come and call it the laws of prosperity, then we are saying that under the right conditions, under the right spiritual conditions, the, the results are obvious. So, when we are coming and we are saying to believers, these are the laws of prosperity or these are the, 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 the laws of financial prosperity, we are saying that if you can get your life into the right conditions, then <coughs> prosperity is an obvious result. And then, so now it becomes a bit critical because then we need to come back and say, if then these are financial laws, then why is it that they are not working for the great majority of believers? Is the problem the believer or is the problem the fact that these actually are not laws? The, the problem is not the laws. Nor is the problem really the believer. The problem generally lies in the root of the matter. The problem generally lies in the understanding of what actually should be powering these things. You see, when you open when you bring a case <laughs> into the courts or when you bring a matter 
generally what you do is that you seek legal advice. And the first legal advice or the first part of your legal advice is that your lawyer will hear what you have to say and then they will then tell you whether you have a case. What do they mean when they say, do you actually have a case or do we actually have a case? It is based on the evidence you've just given us. Are they laws or in the constitution of the country? Are they actually matters that we can now present to the courts? So you don't present facts to the courts. You present the law first. That under section so and so, or this was the law that was violated. It is unconstitutional that this person was should be assaulted by their boss. You see, so what is first argued is the law before we then argue the facts. <laughs> and so what has caused even believers to struggle in the area of seed sowing <laughs> is the fact that what they first present is facts. But you cannot come to the courts and present facts. You must first present the laws upon which your facts, upon which your case is built. And then the facts then act as evidence that indeed you have a case. Oh, goodness. So it begins with you actually first needing to prove that based on the laws as they are in the country, you actually have a case that you can bring against either the state or whoever you believe has infringed on your rights or has violated your rights. So what we have done now as believers is that we, we have used scriptures like don't be fooled, God is not mocked. <laughs> That's in Galatians 6. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And then we come back and we, 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 we use scriptures like give and it shall be given back unto you. Pressed down, <laughs> shaken together, running over. But very rarely do you hear believers coming back and giving testimony of a running over where man gives into their bosom. Uh, and then we've even used scriptures like, he that sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. <laughs> but he that sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. But we rarely ever hear believers coming back and speaking of a bountiful harvest. And then one of our favorites is Malachi chapter 3. Test me now herewith. Bring in the tithe. Oh, goodness. How many believers have actually said, God, now I'm testing you. Now I'm breathing. Oh, now I'm bringing my tithe. And yet in their bringing of the tithe, all of a sudden, the windows of heaven are not opened. What is happening? What is going on? 
what has caused. These are actual scriptures in the Bible that speak of actual sowing, financial seed, and bringing tithe, and yet it's seemingly not working in the life of the believer. You see, sowing seeds doesn't work. Tithing <laughs> doesn't work. Uh -uh. Because what has happened then, or rather what happens in the life of the believer, is that we've been taught that now as we sow our seeds, now we must expect a harvest. As we bring in our tithe, now God will open the doors. Now God will open the windows. No. If you go and look at the initial structure of heaven, when we go and see where the tithe actually begins, it begins with in Eden, where God now says to Adam, I have given you all of these plants to eat. But the plant that is, or rather, I've given you all of these trees, they are fruit thereof to eat. But the tree in the midst belongs unto me. You see, you don't tithe from what you don't have. You tithe from what God has given you. You don't tithe <laughs> for God to give you something. You tithe because God has given you something. That is why the laws even of tithing and all of these things were God giving it to the children of Israel as they were entering the promise. He says, as I'm giving you this promise, as, as you are entering into this land. You see, seed sowing and tithing is for people who are in the promised land. <laughs> it's not for people outside of Egypt or rather in Egypt. It is not for people who are still bound Seed sowing and tithing, those are things for people who are within the promise of God. So you cannot come now <laughs> and preach tithing to the life of a believer who is not moving and living within the promise of God. Tithing and seed sowing only begins to work when that believer is now in the right geographical location. Oh, goodness. When they are now moving in the reality of where God has called them to be. That is why the scripture comes back. You see, our promise. You see, when, when you go and you read in, uh, I think it's Leviticus, if not Deuteronomy. When now God tells them on how to bring the tithe. He says, now say these words when you are bringing the tithe. He says, we were bound 
We were slaves in Egypt, but God delivered us out, out of Egypt. And now he has delivered us into this promise that he promised unto our father. Now we have brought the tithe. Let the rains come. Let you see, So those were things that they were supposed to say as they were bringing their tithe to the high priest. And then what the high priest would do is that he would then take their offering and wave it up to God as a signal to the heavens that this believer has now brought in. They acknowledge that this is what you took them from and this is where you have brought them to. So the tithe was not because God has uh, will do something, but it was a sign that indeed God has already done something. So when we now talk about the tithe or even seed sowing or offerings in the New Testament, and in the life of the believer today, the believer is not supposed to bring their tithe or bring their seeds for God to do something. But they are to understand that the fact that I can bring something is because God has done something. So our, because even in Hebrews they talk about these things were but a type and an image of the church. So for us, when we talk about Egypt, we are talking about the fact that we were bound to our sins. We are talking about the fact that we were bound... <laughs> To everything else but Christ delivered us from those things and he brought us into that's why the Bible even talks about we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son we have now been brought into the promise of God we have now been brought into you see it, it is that reality that's why the Bible talks about in the beginning was the word this is Genesis 1 now in the beginning was the word what starts is the word what starts is the teaching of the reality that you were a sinner you were bound you see you don't seed or you don't tithe to get out of poverty no you seed or you tithe as a spiritual sign that you believe that Christ has already delivered you out of poverty. That you have is it that's why even in Second Corinthians chapter chapter number eight and from about verse number nine, the Bible talks about Christ. It says uh <laughs> Oh goodness. It, 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 they talk about this thing and and, 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 and and rather the apostle Paul is now talking to the church in Corinth and he says, I want you to abide in this grace also that Christ being rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that we through his poverty might be made rich, not might become, but might be made. You see, so now the question then becomes when was Christ poor? You see, there are, there are two versions of this thing that I've heard that I, I, I agree with both, but one I prefer over the other. One, Christ was not poor in his earthly ministry because he had Judas as his treasurer. He had a house by the lake or by the sea in Capernaum. So he was not poor. He was not homeless. Uh, um, he never struggled to feed himself or the disciples so he was not poor. So one, the people then argued that now when he entered um, the garden of Gethsemane and he now took upon himself our sins, that is when he became poor. And then when he laid there on the cross, he died as, as though he were a poor man. He died as though he were a criminal. That's when now they say he took upon our poverty. For our sakes, he became poor. I agree with that, but I feel as though it actually, 
I don't want to say undermined, but it undermines the true extent of the sacrifice of Jesus. You see, there is what they call in, in theology the, the, the laws of substitution. Okay, so we are talking about Jesus taking our place and we taking his place. Him dying in our place. That means that we then must be seated in his place. So now when we talk about Christ and we are talking about the sacrifice he has made, we are not talking about, or rather, I like the, the idea or I like the argument more, that when we are talking about poverty, we are talking about what he left in heaven so that he can actually come and be a sacrifice for us here on earth. You see, irrespective of how much gold and how much silver and how much wealth he had here on earth, it is still nothing compared to the amount of riches he left in heaven. And so that's why even we talk about we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You see, what makes it difficult for believers to tithe, what makes it difficult for them to even sow seeds, is that they believe that all they have is what is in their account. They believe that all they have is what is in their pockets or in their wallets. But the truth is, the Bible says, Christ became poverty. He became poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich. Once you begin to believe that word, now all of a sudden seed sowing is no longer a problem for you. Now all of a sudden sowing seeds of the word. Now all of a sudden sowing seeds. <clears throat> then tithing is no longer difficult because you understand that I have been made rich. I don't tithe. To become rich, I tithe because I already am rich. I, I don't sow seeds. <laughs> you see, because the Bible says, he that ministers seed to the sower. Uh, so when you begin to sow, irrespective of how little or how much you actually have, you are now beginning to move in the reality that I understand that what I have is not based on what is in my account. What I have is not based on what is in my pocket or even in my room. What I have is based on what is in the heavens. I am a co-heir with Christ, so I can afford to give this. I can afford to help build the kingdom of heaven. I can afford and the more you begin to do that, now all of a sudden you grow in your faith. You grow in the reality of what is happening there. You see, and then I'll close with this one. There's something that I found very interesting about um, in my very short journey of going to the gym. <laughs> I, I, I joined the gym and then I, <laughs> I let them do what they do there. Here's the thing. In the gym, there's there are all sorts of machines that train different body parts. And I remember once I spoke to one of the personal trainers and this really intrigued me. He spoke about how you need to change your your routine 
every two to three weeks because what happens to the muscles is that they plateau so you need to find a way to actually shock the muscle by doing an exercise that it's actually it rather hasn't done in a while or it has never done before it shocks the muscle and all of a sudden you continue to build the muscles you continue to grow in your muscle building so they advise that you actually change your routines every few weeks so that your muscles actually are constantly being shocked so that they never plateau and another thing is that the muscle you don't train actually never grows that's why you find some guys they can be very big in their upper bodies they have big arms and whatever but they have very small legs is because they actually have not trained their legs it's exactly the same this is a muscle these are muscles muscles must be trained muscles must be developed it's exactly the same thing with faith just because you have faith in a particular area that God can heal you does not mean necessarily that you have faith that God actually can prosper you. So what you need to do is actually, that's where the scripture, that's why I said in the beginning is the word. When you begin to study and learn the word, you begin to apply the word, you begin to live by the word. Because now the word causes your faith to become an all-rounder. You are training every part of the body which is your faith. And that's where now you, you, you do not become disproportional. You are a believer that knows a lot of revelation, but you cannot walk in any of those things. You see, or you are a believer that's very good when it comes to the pulpit. You know how to preach, but you are very poor when it comes to being a good husband or a good son or a good daughter to your parents. You see, so you, 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 you need to learn all of those things and all of those things come by when you train the muscle. You have to work on the muscle. There's no other way by which it actually grows than by it actually being trained. So when we are talking about faith, when we are talking about faith, even in finances, it comes by training. Learn to believe God for certain things, you know. And learn to push your faith. Sometimes it can take you a very long time. Sometimes it can take you a very short time. You know, But when you learn to push your faith, when you learn to actually believe God for certain things, when you decide, okay, I'm actually going to trust God for something small. You see, sometimes you might not actually have the faith where your finances are concerned for a car. So you say, okay, no, I'm going to believe God for a new suit. And you begin to look at the suit, the kind of suit and whatever's with the shoes that are accompanied and whatever else. You could find that it could take you two years or even five years to be able to manifest that suit. But what that does for your faith is extreme. You have to work the faith. So what happens with most believers is that they want to give at a level higher than their faith. And then they become disappointed because your faith Faith is like wings. Those are the things that must carry your, 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 your answer to you. Your faith is what must carry your promise and your harvest to you. So if your faith is weak, it then cannot carry the faith or it cannot carry the answer back to you. So if you are now going and you are seeding for a car, only to find that your faith actually cannot carry a car to you. 
now all of a sudden it looks like tithing. It looks like seeding doesn't work because now you have gone further than where your faith can actually carry you. But if you are to actually develop your faith, now all of a sudden, before you know it, your faith has become strong enough to be able to carry a car to you. Now your faith has become strong enough to be able to carry a private jet to you. Now your faith has become strong enough where now in your particular church, you are able to carry through your faith, through your own faith, you and your partner or your wife and whatever, you are able to carry a new church building to your men of God. You are able to carry, you, 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 you are able, because now your faith has grown to that point. So that is the, the area of financial seed sowing, is that it begins with the word, because the Bible says, Faith cometh, and it cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. You need to begin by the word. You need to begin with the word. The more of the word you actually learn in an area, that's where you are able to grow. And as you grow in your faith, and you understand the position that you are already in, you are already rich. You don't tithe to become rich. Tithing was not for slaves in Egypt. Tithing was for free people in Canaan. It was for people that were already given Canaan. You don't tithe to be given Canaan. You tithe because you were given Canaan. You tithe as, as an acknowledgement that you were once bound. You were once a slave. But God fulfilled his promise. Most believers, they want to seed and tithe to receive the promise. No, you don't tithe to receive it. You tithe because you've received it. God will never ask of you anything he has not already given you. That's why I said we go back to Genesis. And once we start at Genesis, that's when we understand that God said the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is mine. But he had already given them Eden. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was included in the Eden that God had already given them. So you can, God will never ask of you anything he has not given you. So it begins by that reality, begins by that understanding. That is where now your seed sowing and even your tithing becomes effective.